Welcome to Grace Church's podcast. The message you are about to hear was recorded live during our Sunday service. Sermon notes can be found on our app available for both Apple and Android phones. Search Grace Church 417 in your app store and follow along. And now for our message. So many things happening um, right now. Grace stories have not gone away. You're going to be getting some announcements about those coming up soon. We're going to do those a little differently this coming up year or in 2022. But tomorrow, as, as uh, Jack so sacrificially mentioned while David was going out to, to shovel, shovel snow, as Jack mentioned, tomorrow is our 21 days of prayer. And I, I want to just pause. Uh, I think this is the third or I think this is the fourth 21 days of prayer I've been a part of as part of Grace Church. And I know we've always kind of done it, and it's just there, and it gets going. And I want to just take a few moments and encourage you to, to participate. 7 a.m. is early, I grant. But if you can't do the 7 a.m. with us, with the group, you can still do the 21 days of prayer on your own. The guide is available out in the, in the hallway there. And we also, of course, you can get it online. But the I, 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 reason I want to talk about this is I feel like the, the Lord is drawing his church and he's drawing his children into a season of, of more intentionality when it comes to our prayer lives. Like, unfortunately, for, for if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, it can become just one of those things. Oh, yeah, we get to pray. And we can lose a sense of the awe, a sense of the honor that it is to be able to, if, we, if we're really thinking accurately about it, be able to come into the presence of the creator of the universe and talk to him and ask him things and listen to him and hear things from him. It's just an amazing thing. And I feel like in this season where there's just so much darkness and there's so much hurt and so many people without hope, I feel like in this season that God is calling us to turn to the only one that can address those issues, the only one that can bring us hope, the only one that can bring healing, the only one that can dispel darkness and bring light. And so I want to encourage you, be, be a part of this. If you can't join us in the mornings, do it on your own, but be a part of this for the next 21 days. And you may be thinking, you know, Tim, I hate to break it to you, but I'm just not a very good prayer. Like, I'm just not good at praying. Does anybody in the room besides me feel like sometimes you're just not very good at praying? Would you just raise your hand so I don't feel alone? Thank you. I just, I just don't feel like I'm a very good prayer. I mean, I'm, I'm great at eating cheeseburgers, but man, I'm just not good at praying. You know, there's just so many things that I excel at, and I don't feel like I pray very well. And I'm going to encourage you. Prayer is a lifelong journey. You will get better over time. However you define better, you're going to get better at praying over time, little by little, bit by bit. Here's the thing. You will not get better at praying by not praying. You will get better at praying by praying. So whatever you think it needs to sound like and you don't like the way, whatever, just press forward and talk to God. Talk to Jesus like that song says. Listen to him. And, and engage in this opportunity to do that collectively as a church family. The other thing is, um, if you think you're not good at praying, and maybe you are, or I don't know. I don't exactly know how to define that. If you're praying from your heart in faith, you're doing a great job. But if you think you're not good at praying, there's probably more people in here that think they're not good at fasting. Like, like I'm, I'm like, eh, with praying, fasting, I'm the pits. Yeah, like, deny myself, what? I mean, fasting, you know, giving up food for a, a, a amount of time to be able to really focus on the Lord. Of course, you can fast other things as well. But you, how many of you, when you don't eat, you, you get that new word that's been invented here in the last several years? You get hangry. Raise your hand if you get hangry if you don't eat. Yeah. <laughs> 
You're, some of you are lying. I know you get hangry. Susan needed to be up with two hands when I said that, but she didn't do that. That hangry thing is a blessing. Because when you take away something, like, like we all know, like if someone is, is not able to see with their physical eyes, their other senses compensate. They become better listeners. They smell, they, obviously they smell better. No, <laughs> they, they have a stronger sense of smell. They have, they, their touch sensory uh, capacities increase. All of that. That is true. That's, that's a, a kind of what happens with Fasting. When you take away the ability to, to, to meet that physical need of eating or you take away that other thing in your life that you really lean into, that you're, that you're giving up for this season of fasting, what happens is all the rest of you gets more sharply focused and can hear better when the Lord is speaking. It really does happen. It, it's, a, it's actually amazing that we don't fast more because of the neat things that do happen when we choose to give up our, our, our favorite foods. And we're Americans. We don't like to give up anything. We, we want everything right now. I mean, and we don't like to sacrifice. It's just not in us. I'm not saying that, I'm not picking on us. I'm just being honest. It's just not in us. But I invite you to fast something. I'm, I'm, I've chosen to fast four different things. I'm not going to eat celery for the 21 days. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I actually pick things that I don't want to let go of. I'm not going to tell you what they are, but I got my four things. I've written those down, and that's what I'm going to do without for the 21 days. And I'm excited um, for what God's going to do. I invite you to do the same thing. We're not going to check up on you. We're not going to ask you. But for the sake of this time of prayer, let something go so that we can press into him and hear his voice. Because we are in a neat season as a church. And we're talking about that over the next month or so. And the fasting and prayer has a lot to do with it. So sound good? Turn to the person next to you and says, sounds good. All right, good. Sounds okay, I think. So this is Volunteer Appreciation Sunday, and I think it's the first Volunteer Appreciation Sunday that I've been a part of in a long, long time, where we take a whole service and just really try to focus on saying thank you to the dozens of you that serve week in and week out as part of the Grace Church family. Um, Nearly every church Every church that I know of personally puts a priority on getting people involved to serve. They want to get a a small army together of volunteers to do all of the work that the church needs to do. And and churches kind of go through a a particular timelining or trajectory. When churches start, and Susan and I almost 20 years ago started a church in a different place, and we started, and at the beginning of the church's life, the, the church was just a bunch of our friends in our living room. We all fit there. We could look around and see, is everybody here? Yeah, everybody's here. We're all here together. We started this little church in the living room, and when you, when you start a, a church at that level, there is a high level of relational connection and a low need for structure. Right? Like we could all see everybody has a need. We just meet it. It's not like we have to have this big structure. But what happens in organizations and in churches specifically is that as a church grows, its need for structure increases, which is good. Please don't misunderstand where I'm going with this. It's really important for us to have structure. Like you wouldn't want to sit in this building this morning if you had suspicions about how it was constructed, Right? If you thought like somebody, this group of people over here, like, yeah, it'll be okay. They just threw the building together. Oh, that looks like it's good enough. You know, you would not want to sit in this building because the wind would blow and it would, you know, we'd be like the, the three pigs, you know. It would, it would fall down and it would be a disaster. So it's not wrong to have structure. Say amen. 
Amen. We want structure. Here's the problem with structure. As an entity like a church grows and implements more structure, what can happen is that this high relational connection that you have at the beginning can get lost. And it can become more about the structure than about the people. It can become more about the structure than the Lord. And, and before you jump ahead in your thinking, this is not a commentary about large churches. This is a commentary about unhealthy churches. Because some unhealthy churches are small and have a structure that's all about, you know, the elevating of a particular group of people, even though there's not that many people there. Because that's one of the things that happens. When a, when a church gets overly structured, sometimes, sometimes, a, instead of it being about the, the body and the community, and the larger group of people that God is calling to do his work in a particular area, instead of it being about them, it becomes about a smaller and smaller group of people with, with exceptional gifts. People with, who are extremely talented or, or, or they're capacitated by the Holy Spirit in such a way that it's really remarkable. And I'm not taking anything away from them. But what can happen is that they can become kind of the focus. They kind of get raised up and then everybody else kind of around them just becomes the workers. They just become the people that do the stuff in the church because it's really neat that we have these few uh, really strong leaders who have these amazing gifts and then we can all kind of like look at them and think that they're, they're above or they have more than us when that's not ever the way that God designed his church to work. God wants the church to be structured in such a way that it, it can grow forward, but it should never grow forward at the expense of everybody having a, a meaningful ministry within the body. Write this down if you're taking the notes this morning. When a church becomes more focused on itself than on the kingdom at large, or the king, that would be Jesus, people can get hurt and the growth of the church can be unhealthy. There are very large churches in the United States and around the world that are very healthy. There are also very large churches that are unhealthy. There are small churches around the world that are healthy and there are small churches that are unhealthy. The difference is, what are we focused on? Is it about the advancement of the entity or is it about the advancement of the gospel? Is it about the king and the kingdom or it is about the church and its leaders? And, it's, and I'm walking a tightrope here because there needs to be attention given to the work of the church. There needs to be attention given to what happens within the body. We can't live over here in you know, Tim and Susan's living room. It doesn't work like that. More people get reached through structure, but structure always must be uh, submitted to the work of the Spirit and the community of believers, not the other way around. Does this make sense? Good. One of the ways that we can ensure that we don't get out of balance where there's a small group of people whose gifts are being platformed, and I don't mean that literally, but just focused upon, and the rest of the people are just kind of worker people within the church is to try to engage as many people as possible in meaningful ministry all the time. This engagement with meaningful ministry is not the same thing as recruiting volunteers. We are not interested as a church, and, and healthy churches should not be interested as a church in just recruiting volunteers. When Susan and I lived in the East, we were, we were, um, little, we were a little league family, meaning... Uh, our three boys played Little League over a, 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 sp a, a span of time, about 13 years, I think. In other words, for 13 years, our second home was the Little League field that was up the street. 
I coached teams. I was the assistant coach. I managed teams. I did all the baseball stuff. Susan's not much of a baseball person. Susan's not much of a sports person, frankly. So what Susan got recruited for as a volunteer was the concession stand. The concession stand. So when, when Susan was recruited to work in this concession stand, she was recruited as a volunteer. Um, they didn't say to her, now, now, what are your spiritual gifts, Susan? And what are your passions in life? They said, is your heart beating? Can you stand erect? Great. We need you to stand behind this cash register and sell, you know, Slim Jims to every five-year-old that walks up here. You know, it's, it, was, it was not about trying to, to match the person with the, with the need. It was, we need to get this thing done. We just need to have people serving in the concession. We just need you to cook hot dogs. We just need you to make hamburgers in the back. We don't really, it doesn't really have to be about you liking or even being good at what you're doing. We just need you to stand here. The church cannot function that way. When, when we started our church years and years ago, if you had a heartbeat, man, you were called to ministry because we were pulling everybody into everything. But grace is not at that stage. At the beginning, everybody, it's all hands on deck. That's not where grace is right now. We need to do much more than just recruit volunteers. It's not about just getting people to fill slots. That's not healthy. Because in truth, the church of Jesus doesn't have volunteers. If you want to write this down, the church of Jesus doesn't have volunteers. The church has ministry partners. And I know that sounds a little TV evangelist. I don't mean it to. I don't mean it to to mean financial per se. I mean, we do ministry together as partners, all of us. It's not just a gifted few and a lot of servants. It's everybody arm in arm working together. And I want to look at the word briefly with you this morning. Um, and we're going, to, we're going to look at three passages of scripture that come from three different letters that the apostle Paul wrote where he talked about specific people who were ministry partners with him. And I want you to see how he, how he, um, how he describes these three guys. The first guy's name is Titus. He writes a whole book to Titus in the latter part of the New Testament. But he write, talks about Titus in 2 Corinthians. That's number one. The second person's name is Epaphroditus, which we, Susan and I were going to name our third child Epaphroditus. But we decided, ah, too many syllables. We're not going to do that. Ethan was easier to remember, so we didn't go with it. But Epaphroditus is a big deal in the scriptures, but maybe not a super familiar name to us. The third person's name is Tychicus, which we know nobody knows anybody named Tychicus. I promise you, you do not know anybody with that name. And he writes about this guy in Colossians chapter 4. So I want us to look at these three scriptures together. Again, just seeing how Paul describes these, these, these men who were ministry partners of his. And since we've got all of the kids in the room down to five-year-olds this morning, we're going to read this out loud together. So look at the first one, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Starting in verse 23. It's just a real short verse. Can we read it together? Ready? One, two, three, read. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. Very good. You did a good job. That's Titus. Now let's look at Epaphroditus. Philippians chapter 2, verse 25. It says this. Ready? One, two, three, go. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, and fellow worker, and fellow soldier. Good, very good. The final one is in Colossians chapter two, I'm sorry, verse, chapter four, verse seven. It's, 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 uh, it's ticket. I can't even do it now. It's, t- t- say it again. Ticketus. 
Tychicus. I did the whole first service without messing up this poor guy's name. It's Ticketus. It's Ticketus. It's not Ty. It's Ticketus. I went to Uversion and checked, okay? The authority of Uversion, that's how the guy said it. So Ticketus, all right, ready? So Ticketus, that's how we say it. Ready? One, two, three, go. Ticketus will tell you about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. Beyond having a difficult to say name, he's a great guy. We love Ticketus. But here, here's what Paul says. He says about Titus, he's two things. He's my partner and he is my fellow worker. About Epaphroditus, he is my brother, my fellow worker, and my fellow soldier. And Ticketus is my beloved brother, faithful minister, fellow servant in the Lord. Now, these are not household names. I'm joking about their names, but we don't, I mean, these are people that we think about. When we read the New Testament, we're like, oh, I can't wait to see what happens to Ticketus. That doesn't happen. He's mentioned very, very briefly. Epaphroditus mentioned a couple of times, Titus, a couple of times in the whole scripture. But, but, but I want you to notice how Paul describes these guys. I want, you to, I want you to feel the tone in which he's writing. It's rich. There's an honoring that's going on here. He's, he's, he is warm towards them. They're his companions, fellow worker, fellow soldier, brother, ministry partner. He sees them as those who minister alongside of him, not as those that serve under him. When Paul describes these men, he sees them and describes them as guys that he's working in the trenches with. He's down at that level together. They're pressing forward for the advancement of the gospel, for the proclamation of the kingdom. He is not seeing them as those that serve him. And when you look in Romans, if you don't go there right now, but Romans chapter 16, we could have done this the same kind of message out of the entire chapter of Romans 16 because Paul, from the beginning of that chapter to the end, goes through one person after another person after another person and he remembers people's names and he talks about their value and he affirms their ministries because they're his ministry partners. They're not just a bunch of volunteers filling positions in a big machine. It's relational. It's warm. It's honoring. Now, this is so important for us as we start into 2022, as we begin to really explore what is the vision that God has for this the assignment that God has for this particular church. This is so important because we have to view ourselves the way that Paul talks about Titus and the others. We have to view ourselves as ministry partners. We are not, if you want to write this down, we are not just a group of folks doing tasks. This is not the Little League, nor is it the Kiwanis Club. This is the body of Christ. We are servants giving our energy, giving our abilities, giving our time, giving our money to make more and healthier disciples, to advance the kingdom in the service of the king. I have an announcement to make this morning. I just pause for dramatic effect. It's not really that big a deal. I'm not the Apostle Paul. I know you probably thought, but I'm taller than him. I'm not the Apostle Paul. I'm not Titus or Epaphroditus or Tychicus either. I'm not any of these guys. I am just him. Pastor in Southwest Missouri. But honored to get to serve Jesus with you to care for people with you, to work alongside of you, to partner in ministry with you, 
to see that people who are far from God or who are disillusioned with church find their way back to the Father. That's what we're here to do. And I get to do this thing, not with a bunch of spectators or attendees or even volunteers, not even just with friends, although you're my friends. We get to do it as ministry partners, meaningful ministry, using what God has given us to make disciples, more and healthier disciples. I am excited about our future. I have great expectations about where God is going to take our church. I am seeing wonderful signs. I'm privileged to be able to serve with this group of people. It would have been very artificial and superficial for me 18 months ago when Susan and I arrived in Missouri for me to stand up in front of the group at that point and say, I'm so excited to get to work alongside of you. Frankly, at that point, I didn't know many of you and I might have been disappointed. But 18 months later, that was a joke. (laughs) Thank you, Carolina, for getting my joke. 18 months later, I can say it with a full heart. We are so grateful to be here. This is a fantastically good church with some fantastically good people. And we get to do this together. We want to see people come to Jesus. I am leaning in, and I hope you are too, expecting God to do something, not just because we have great programs or great ideas, but because we're prayerful, because we're humble, because we love each other and we're willing to tell people about him. If we do that, he's going to meet us and great things are going to happen. And so this morning, ministry partners, I want to thank you. for, And I know, I know, There are hundreds and hundreds of hours worth of giving and serving and volunteering and and ministering that I don't even, I don't even, came right my mind around it. I know. But just based on what I do know here, this, thank you for changing diapers. Amen? Some people change some diapers here. And playing your instruments and greeting each other and greeting new people and greeting old friends. Thank you for supporting missionaries and teaching children and, and making crafts. God bless you craft people. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for vacuuming floors and painting walls and singing songs and teaching fusion groups, serving donuts and brewing coffee and taking out the garbage, making videos, almost 50 videos, and handing out the communion elements. Grace Church family, you have been faithful You have been hopeful, you have been prayerful, and you have done all of this ministry with a smile. And I am deeply grateful for you. You are not just parts of a big machine, and you're not just volunteers that are filling roles. We are partners together in this local church that is bigger. What we're doing is bigger than the local church. It's a kingdom and a king. And I want to bless you before you leave today. Jesus said this, he said, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the field. We need to do that. We need to pray for God to bring more workers into the field. But I also want us to realize that he has given some amazingly good workers here already who are already in the field, who are already doing this stuff. We're doing it arm in arm, hand in hand. We're going into it together. So thank you. Thank you. Would you stand up with me? I want to speak a blessing over you, and then I want to give you a, uh, actually, I'll give you the direction first. Just hang tight. So would you turn to the person next to you and said, what did I have him say last time? We, are, we, were, we were well prepared. We, 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 um, we, we did not wait to, to, turn to the person next to you and say, we did not wait to the last minute. <laughs> However, have you heard of the supply chain issues in the United States? So a month ago, we ordered this nice gift to give to all of you servants, all of you ministry partners. 
And we got five days ago uh, when David inquired. We didn't even get an email. David inquired, hey, are our gifts coming? And they said, oh, no, they're not coming. And, and, and they never will. It's like, oh, hey, well, thanks for letting us know. God bless you. <laughs> David's so nice. He said, we, we probably won't use your company in the future. So glad Susan wasn't on the phone. So, just kidding. She's out in the hallway. So, um, so we, David did some amazing jumping through hoops and stuff, and, and we pulled together a small gift, a small, small gift as a thank you to you, ministry partners. Here's the other thing. When we finally did get the gift, only half of it came. So we're going to do this in two weeks. We have, we're going to appreciation over two weeks. This week, if you served in Grace Kids over the last year or if you are a worship team member uh, over the last year, we have a gift for you. And if you will leave by the left door, right door for you and go into the multi-purpose room, Susan and Mona are there to bless you with your gift. And again, just want you to know that we're thinking of you, that we care about you, that you're a big deal, okay? So, and then next week, it'll be cafe and greeters and everybody else, so. Now you can stick your hands out in front of you. I want to bless you. (laughs) Oh, Lord, thank you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. We trust that this message made a difference in your life. If you would like more information about Grace Church, be sure to connect with us by visiting grace417.com or connect with us by filling out a connection card on our app.